Our reading today can be found in Genesis 30. I'm going to start with verse 25, and I'm going to read all the way into chapter 31, stopping at verse 16. This story of Jacob can be found on page 24 of your Blue Pew Bibles. As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you that I may go, for you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will give it. Jacob said to him, you yourself know that I have served you and how your livestock has fared with you. For you had little before I came and it has increased abundantly and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household as well? He said, what shall I give to you? Jacob said, you shall give me nothing. If you shall not give me anything, If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and the speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Everyone that is not speckled or spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted as stolen. Laban said, good, let it be as you have said. But that day, Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, everyone that had white on it and every lamb that was black. And he put them in the charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs, that is, the watering places where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks. And so the flocks brought forth striped and speckled and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the striped and all the black in the flock of of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the trough before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants, and camels and donkeys." Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that, our fa- uh, all that was our father's, and from what was our father's he has gained all his wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, 
Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped and spotted and molted. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock are striped and spotted and molted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us, and he has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we praise you that you have declared in the Old Testament, in the Psalm 23 that Steph read, that you are our shepherd and that we shall not want. Father, I agree with Steph's prayer that I have wanted much other than you this week, and I have allowed other things to shepherd my heart. Father, I am convicted by her prayer, and I'm convicted by your word that is before us today. Father, I am convicted um, that I, like Jacob, am one who often acts as if he doesn't have a father. Jesus, we praise you that you took on your lips, Psalm 23, when you said, I am the good shepherd. And Jesus, as Athena and Bradley and Tim led us in singing, we do say, hallelujah, he has found me, the one my soul so long has craved. Lord Jesus, we pray that to a woman and to a man today, to a girl and to a boy, you would find us in these next few minutes and you would lead us to worship. Holy Spirit, you have said that you would hold up Jesus in front of us with such clarity that we would look at him and that we would be changed. Father, we need that. Father, I need that. I need you to change my heart. And so we ask you, 
Would you use your word as you intended to always use it to point us to Christ and for us to come to you and return to you even as we will do when we approach the table in just a few minutes. Father, please help us make sense of something that is very difficult to understand and not just make sense of it, but Father, would you show it how it applies to our very hearts today? And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray all these things. Amen. Look, we've been studying this character of Jacob. And we've asked ourselves, why are we studying Jacob? The first reason that we have been studying Isaac and Jacob is because God calls himself to the Israelites, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Why do we read and why do we need these narratives? Because in them we understand who God is He makes himself known to us in history, in time, and in space, to real people in the same way he makes himself known to us as faithful, as effective, and as known. But the other reason that we need these narratives is because we ask ourselves in the presence of God, who are we? We think of our own stories And we share and we ask the question, do we share in similar struggles? Do we understand ourselves to be part of broken families as this family is broken? As I read this story about Jacob and his father-in-law, I couldn't help but think of my own father-in-law whom we lost this February. My father-in-law was a great man. But our relationship was not always easy. The first five years that I knew this man, his name was Mr. to me. I felt a distance. And there was a great degree that wasn't easy. Four years into our marriage, Because Mita married me, and (laughs) there's a bit of chaos in this individual, my father-in-law who saw it very faithfully and lovingly to his own daughter, explained to me that he was going to doubt my decisions and be the one who questioned everything that we decided. And you can imagine for me as a son-in-law what that did for me, how I began to pull back from my father-in-law. When we would go to Mita's house, Mito noticed that I often went running, and it broke her heart. I acted as if I were alone and as if her family was not my family. But what I have discovered in studying this text and considering the life of Jacob in my own life is that just as God has been at work in Jacob's life, God had been at work in my life in that season. He had been uncovering for me the very thing that I think he's uncovering for Jacob in this. And this is Jacob's sense of not having a father. A sense 
of being an orphan. One of the most influential scholars in my life was a practical theologian by a guy named Jack Miller. Jack Miller wrote a lot of books that a lot of you all know. But one of the things that Jack talked about often was the idea of sonship. God as our father and us adopted to him. Jack's own father died when he was very young and his stepfather abused him. And Jack struggled with the idea of father. Jack would define an orphan as not being unreligious, but as a person, whether religious or not, who is unwilling to surrender human independence to the leadership of Christ. I want you to see three things about Jacob today. The first is Jacob the orphan, as he is defined in verses 25 through 36. The second is Jacob, the orphaned shepherd, as he is defined in verses 37 through 43. And the third is Jacob, the orphan saint, as he is defined in chapter 31, 1 through 16. Look at these with me, if you will. The first is Jacob, the orphan Our story opens up in verse 25 with the orphan's problem. And the problem that the orphan has is the same problem that Jacob has, this idea of needing something for himself. We see Jacob explaining it to Laban in verse 30 when he declares, look, you know that God has blessed you through me. But Jacob now turns and says, but when shall I provide for my own household also? Do you know this deep sensation in your heart for providing for yourself? Remember Jacob's life, so you think we're not making this up. Jacob's own father, Isaac, what do you remember one of the first things that we were told about Isaac with regard to Jacob? That Isaac loved Esau, and Rebekah loved Jacob. Isaac's own, Jacob's own father, Isaac, did not choose him. Jacob's own father lived according to his own sensual pleasures. And Jacob had tricked his own father and severed his relationship. Jacob had been away from that man for at least 14 years at the point at which our story is told. Think about what Jacob knew about God thus far. Do you know that the only time that God has thus far made himself known to Jacob was in chapter 28 when Jacob had first left home and was in the wilderness and was there in Bethel and God made himself known and God promised to him. But I want you to think about what it was like for those 14 years where Jacob was cheated and swindled where Jacob's father-in-law tricked him into marrying Leah before marrying Rachel. 
Do you remember what Nathan said last week about Jacob's words to Rachel when Rachel couldn't bear any children? He said, what is this to me? It's God who has withheld from you the fruit of your womb. Do you remember last week when David or Nathan mentioned that Jacob spoke the same words as the devil? Saying that God had withheld fruit Jacob's understanding of God so far is very difficult for us to see. But think of Laban, his father-in-law. Jacob met him in chapter 19, in 29, verse 12, with weeping and with joy. This father-in-law who was to be his father-in-law says, you are my bone and my flesh. But only two verses later, in verse 15 of chapter 29, do we see that Laban turns to Jacob and makes it very clear, you are not my son, you are my servant. When he says, what wages will I pay you? And then as we, I've already heard how we saw how Laban deceived Jacob in chapter 29 with giving him Leah first and then Rachel next. How Laban, his father-in-law, used Jacob over and over. The orphan's problem is self-provision. We read in this passage that Laban responds to Jacob and he says, what shall I give you? And what does Jacob say in verse 31? He says a declaration, and it's hard to understand if he resists Laban's gift or says the truth about Laban when he says, you shall not give me anything. Laban wanted nothing to do with his father-in-law. You shall give me nothing. Laban had made it clear that Jacob was a servant and Jacob accepted that. Jacob was not a son-in-law to Laban. Jacob said, I am a servant and a slave. And as this final straw hits in these verses, in the deal that Jacob asked of Laban, as I shepherd your sheep, Give me the odd sheep, the one that so infrequently comes out as spotted and speckled and molted, or as a black lamb, give those to me. The ones that are in your flock now, let me take those out. They're very few. Give them to me. Let them be mine. And I will shepherd sheep. Therefore, you will know that all of them are not speckled and spotted all of them that are not molted or all of the lambs that are not black, they'll be yours. It'll be obvious to me and to you which are yours and which are mine. You won't cheat me again, he says. And Laban says, great. And did you read in verse 34, in verse 35 rather, but that very day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, everyone that had white on it and every lamb that was black, and he put them in charge of who? 
his sons. And he separated what was supposed to be Jacob's. He stole one more time the last straw from Jacob. And he sent them away. Jacob struggled because he believed himself to be an orphan, that he needed to provide for himself. But Jacob is not alone. In fact, I would argue that there has been only one human being in the entirety of the world, and that's Jesus Christ, who has not struggled in this way, who has not shared with Jacob the struggle of being alone. I want to ask you a question. When do you feel most alone? When do you feel like an orphan? What we see next is Jacob the orphan, but now Jacob the orphan shepherd. And we read about this Jacob from 37 through 43. And we read about the pattern of the orphan. And I want to ask you a question. Do you recognize this? You already know how Jacob feels about Laban, right? Laban says to him earlier on in the chapter, if I've found favor in your sight, now, he's not being anything but facetious. He's not doing anything except bartering. He is not in any way claiming that he has treated Jacob in such a way that Jacob, that, that he rather has found favor in Jacob's sight. Jacob has let us know in verse 31 that he is already bitter toward Laban. You're not going to give me anything both a declaration and an imperative. And suddenly, we see a pattern that emerges. It might be captured by the phrase that we so often use, God helps those who help themselves, right? Did you know that that is the number one verse that is claimed to be in the Bible that's not in the Bible, <laughs> You know, it could be attributed to Benjamin Franklin, but the truth of the matter is, it has been part of the heart of humanity since the garden. Since Eve says of the birth of Cain, look what I have done to bring salvation. You see this bitterness turn to manipulation Verses 37 and 40, the verses with the sticks, the sticks of poplar and almond and plane tree, they are so hard to understand. And the more that I dug into them and the more that I studied the Hebrew words that were used, the harder this story begins, becomes to understand. Do you want to know the best that is agreed upon is that this story ought to be read in parallel with what Laban does to Jacob through Rachel and Leah with the marriages. Do you want to know why? 
because the word whiteness is actually the word Laban. (laughs) The word for weak is actually the way Rachel was described, or Leah was described. And vigorous or strong is actually a way that you could interpret the gifts that Rachel had. But what we know, no matter what is happening in those three verses, is that Jacob is manipulating the situation. You see, the pattern of the orphan goes from bitterness to manipulation, but it doesn't end there. It ends in this context of retaliation. Look closely, if you will. Look at what it says in verse 41. Whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they might breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Jacob had swung from bitterness to manipulation to retaliation. Jacob, the one through whom God was going to bless every family in the world, was now a curse to this specific family. Do you see that? Do you see how Jacob retaliated against Laban? As one commentator who wrote his commentary decades ago said, it is the exact example of fighting fire with fire, a godless response, Waltke says. And I want to ask you of this shepherd and the pattern in your current struggles. In your current struggles, where do you see this pattern in your life? Bitterness, manipulation, retaliation. I have to get my own. Maybe a follow-up question would be, how far are you willing to go in that pattern? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. That's not the end of our story. We have one more. We've seen Jacob the orphan, Jacob the orphaned shepherd. But in these 16 verses of chapter 31, I want you to see Jacob the orphaned saint. What do I mean by saint there? Bradley, are you trying to tell me that Jacob, who didn't act honorably before, is now acting honorably now? No, I don't want to say that. I want to say that we understand that Jacob is a saint because he is set apart by God. God's promises were on his head, not because Jacob responded in a way that was faithful, but because God is faithful. Not because Jacob was able to be effective in what he was trying to do, but because God was effecting change in Jacob. Not because Jacob was kind, but because God was kind to Jacob. What does Jacob do in those verses in verse 31? 
Jacob hears the mutterings of Laban's sons, of whom he is not, and they are saying, that one stole all of our inheritance. Sound familiar? Jacob heard from God that it was time to leave, and so he called out to his flock, Rachel, whose name means you lamb, and Leah, who means cow. And they came out to his flock. And Jacob told them that he had dreamt and that God had made himself known to him. Jacob goes through in verses 5 and 7 and 8 and 9 this comparison with God and Laban. We see progress in Jacob here. Jacob describes, but God. In verse 5, he doesn't say my God, but he does say the God of my father. He recognizes the distance that's there, but he compares God to Laban. In verse 5 of 31, he says of this, I see that your father, as he talks to Rachel and Leah, does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. In verse 7, he says, Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times, but God did not permit him to harm me. And again, in verse 8 and 9, he said, your dad would change my wages, but God, in verse 9, has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. The progress that we see in Jacob's life is that he compares God to Laban, this father figure. He compares God to the authorities. These negatives of what Laban have done to him become redefined in, 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 in God and in God's intention in his own life. And we will come to see that the positives that he knows about God become accentuated by Jacob as he understands more of who God is. This sounds a lot like Jesus talking about God in Luke 11 that we read last week. When he says, if you who are evil know how to give your children good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit when you ask for it? How much more? But then we see further progress in Jacob's life in this obedience. God tells him in verse 3 and 13, go. And Jacob dependently goes. He leaves what is known, which was bad. It was certainly bad, but at least he knew how bad it was for what is unknown. Returning to his brother who has vowed to kill him. Jacob, in entrusting himself to God, is moved toward his older brother. Jack Miller describes the transition between orphan and sonship in prayer like this. 
that one who understands their adoption as a son or a daughter of the king comes before God with a willingness to be wrought upon by the hammer and the fire of the Almighty until the chains of self-centered desire fall away from the personality and the love of Christ becomes the deepest hunger of the inner life. What does it look like for an orphan to be changed to a son? Jacob's life is revealing that to us. In not too long, Jacob is going to say of God, He is my God. He's not there yet. But like Jacob, in trusting God, is moved toward his older brother, so are you and I in this movement from orphans to sons and daughters, moved toward our older brother. A much greater power of transformation than Jacob would have known because our older brother is Jesus. He's the one who has proclaimed your sins are forgiven. He is the one who says, I do desire to heal you. He is the one who says, knowing me is knowing the Father. As the quote in the front of the order of worship says, Jesus, our older brother, is the one who needs to break down our tendency to cry, your will be done, and then get up and improve our circumstances. Jesus is not an orphan shepherd, but is a good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And all are blessed. Jesus worked in my life. This week I thought about the transition between me calling my father-in-law, Mr. Tillman, and on his deathbed, me holding his hand, his head in my hands, and kissing him as I told him he loved him. I loved him. That was a transformation in me. Not in him. God taught me his love through my father-in-law. Our older brother Jesus teaches us who God is. He sends His Spirit to be poured out in our hearts that we would know the love of God. And He also tells us, like God told Jacob, go. But He says, I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. I want to ask you, as you see progress in your own life, 
toward believing that God is your heavenly Father who loves you. Which of his promises will you cling to today? Which will you depend on that have been made yes and amen in Christ? We see the picture of an orphan here, but it's one that invites us in because the orphan is being transformed to the son. Let's pray before we come to the table.